Blog Talk Radio. Good morning. Thank you for being with us today. You are listening to An Artist Speaks, presented by Contemporary Art Gallery Online. Contemporary Art Gallery Online represents tomorrow's art giants today. Come visit us at ContemporaryArtGalleryOnline.com and there you can view and purchase great works of contemporary art and check out our monthly art competitions and exhibitions, our blog and newsletter, and even view videos of our artist's work and even listen to artist interviews from this show. Today, our guest is Kay Engelhardt. At an early age, her parents became aware of Kay's ability in art, and she was sent weekly to the Portland Museum School of Art. The museum school education continued through most of her elementary school years. She attended Woodrow Wilson High School, where she was in an accelerated art course, where she spent half of each day on basic subjects and the rest of the day in the art department. As a senior, she won second place in the Penny Art Competition sponsored by a local art shop. She later on went to Portland State to continue her art education. However, life threw her some curveballs, and for a number of years, Kay had to give up her art career. Since she started painting again, she's entered two jury shows. At the Spring Show in Fall of California in April, she took the People's Choice Award, and also in April of this year, she won first place for trip competition at Contemporary Art Galleries Online. Well, good morning, Kay, and welcome to An Artist Speaks. Good morning, and thank you. Well, let's start off the show this morning by having you tell the audience a little bit more about yourself, Kay. Okay. Well, lead a very simple life. I'm retired now, um, and it's just my husband and myself at home. I have four children, but they're all grown and gone. I have ten grandchildren. Like you mentioned, I've spent years painting and then was unable to paint for quite a while, and I've just taken up painting again. I love my artwork. It's it's just a joy to me to be able to sit down and paint. I have so many ideas going through my head that it's hard to get them all down on paper. Um, my favorite medium is actually pastel because I get to put my fingers in my artwork. Um, I know there are tools for moving the pastel around, but I don't ever use them. I always put my fingers in them and I end up with pastel all over me, but I, I do love it. I use that mostly for portraits. Um, I do a lot of portrait work for pocket money. I'm just starting to use acrylics. I've never used them in the past. Um, it was always oils in the past. And watercolor. I did a lot of watercolor. Well, I also understand that uh, you also do some sculpturing and pottery making. Is that correct? I've done some pottery. I do carving. I carve alabaster. I carve gourds. <laughs> I do so many different things. <laughs> I do... Um, I make light catchers from um, uh, glass, 100-year-old glass that we find out in the desert that's turned purple. And um, I, um, we, I just 
I just, I make jewelry. I guess I'm kind of a jack of all trades. But they all require artistic touch, don't they? Well, they're all fun, I can tell you that. I just, I just go from one project to another constantly. Well, it sounds like that keeps you very busy. How many uh, hours during the day do you spend on your art, on average? If I'm sitting down to a painting, I'll start, um, I'll get things done around the house in the in the early morning, and then start painting between ten and eleven. And my husband has has to just pry me away from the easel in the evening. So. Um, if it's a smaller project like a light catcher or um, a carving or something like that, I'm usually up and down all day long working on it. Where do you get the inspiration for your art, Kay? When I was a young girl, I was having trouble in school, and they found that my vision was very, very bad. Um, I uh, was given glasses for the first time in third grade, and I was absolutely absolutely amazed at what I could see. I, I had never known up to that point in time that you could actually see individual blades of grass or individual leaves on trees. And um, to me, looking at things just became a joy. Everything was so beautiful. And it still is. I still have that awe for creation. I, I love looking at things. I, um, Everything just seems so beautiful to me. I want to catch it all and put it to my inspiration. It's just the beauty of things. That's interesting. I never thought of that, but if you were born with problems with your eyesight, you really wouldn't know that you had a problem, would you? No, I had no idea. I had no idea what was wrong. I just knew that my brothers and sisters all had um uh, top grades in school, they all were doing great, and I wasn't doing well at all. And so my parents took me to the optometrist and found that it was my vision. And I don't know that that helped my schoolwork because then I just wanted to look at him. So I was very distracted. <laughs> <laughs> you had a new distraction, huh? Yes, I certainly did. Well, on your painting, tell the audience, how you go about your artistic process on your paintings? Each each painting, I look at it as a, a totally individual thing, and and to me, a lot of it is the emotion behind the painting. When I when I compose a painting, I want to make sure that it isn't just a picture, but that the whole thing conveys some kind of of message emotionally. I um, I. And I try to catch that in the lighting and in the expressions of the faces and in objects that are in the painting. It makes the whole process fun for me. When I start a painting, I'm so excited I can hardly stand it. And um, some portions of the artwork is tedious, laying in and things like that. And I just, I just can hardly stand to get through those, those um, times when I'm working on the piece until I can get to where I'm doing the fine details. And that, and I, I've tried doing um, more abstract work, but I find myself going back and putting in the little itty bitty details again. So I have, I, I, I would, <laughs> I'd like to be able to loosen up, but I find it very difficult. So most of your painting art is portraitures? I do a lot of portraits 
but I my work is varied. Um, I I do some landscapes. I do some objects. I do. I've actually started experimenting with impression, impressionistic, more impressionistic work, and um, I. But I do a lot of. I do a lot of figures, a lot of figural work. Um, my bread and butter money usually comes from portraits. Um, people seem to like my. They actually look just like person that the portrait is supposed to be of, and. And that's what people like when they have a portrait done. And so um, that's so I do a lot of portraits, but I get tired of that too. I like doing things that are more imaginative and more um, that evoke motion, emotions more. Well, I've always found that's uh, my wife is an abstract artist, and we go to museums, and you know she goes her way. I've always been more fascinated by portrait artists because I just think that is so much harder to do to create a piece of art that represents person or the subject that, that you're capturing. So was this something that you were able to do at an early age or is this part of your formal training learning how to do portrait art? Portrait art actually came out of necessity. I, I showed at several shows in the um, 70s and 80s, and um, people loved my work, and I did sell quite a bit of work, but I also had a lot of people saying, oh, I have a grandson, or I have a daughter, or family member, and I would love to have a picture done of them. Can you do that? And I saw it as a way to make money, but um, you're right about it being very difficult to make it look like the individual. It can be as simple as the shading under an eyelid in an eye to make it either look like the individual or not look like the individual. One little piece of pastel chalk out of place on a lip and it won't look like the person. It has to be it has to be just so and I I spend hours working on the fine details of the pieces to make sure that they look like the person they're supposed to look like. The little girl in Daddy's jacket is actually my daughter. She um, would pose for me all the time when she was little. I have tons of photographs of her when she was young, and um, and she got so good at it that I could say pout, and she would pout, and I would say be happy, and she'd be happy, and I'd say be sad, and she'd be sad, and she just. She just looks such a natural that the emotions are there, and she could get tears in her eyes. I mean, I don't know how she did it, but um, she's she's actually grown now. Uh, she's 27 and has six children of her own, so she's she's getting hers. <laughs> so when you are doing your portrait art, do you work with the subject or predominantly just photographs of the subject? I I've done it both ways. Um, I life settings are very, very, very difficult, let alone children. It's almost impossible with children. Um, I generally with children I'll, i I like to take my own photographs. Every once in a while I work from a photograph, like some people want graduation photographs done into um uh portraits or a school portrait of a child or a photograph of a child who's passed away. But 
um, I, I like it much better if I pose the child and take the photographs myself and get the kind of lighting that I, you know, that, that really works with a child. And if there's more than one child in the picture, then I can take a lot of pictures of the children and then combine them, the, you know, the perfect face from each one and combine them into um, one painting. And on average, how long from start to finish does it take you to complete one of your portrait art pieces? If I work like a 12 to 16 hour day like I usually do when I sit down and start working, it'll take me three to five days to do a portrait depending on how complicated it is. And I always tell people if there are hands in the portrait, it takes longer. Hands are terrible. So, and it depends on how many people are in the portrait too. I've done um, up to up to four people in in the portrait. It's very remarkable. Well, and tell the audience about your sign catchers that you're working with. Tell us a little more about how you're doing that and how they came about. Well, my husband, um, his father used to look for gold everywhere they went. Even in their front yard, there was a huge hole in the front yard where. He, Doug looking for gold here in Southern California. But um, he, my husband caught the gold bug, and he always likes to go either to the mountains or the desert to look for gold. And a lot of times I would go with him, but I'm not much at gold panning or dry panning, you know, digging in the dirt. It didn't inspire me. I always took my camera with me and took photographs of things in the mountains and the desert. But lately in the desert, we started noticing that there was purple glass everywhere, everywhere, just everywhere. Um, I filled a, a tub full of it in the three-hour um, period one morning recently. And when we got home, we looked it up on the um, Internet, and it said that this is glass that uh, was discarded at the turn of the century. There was about uh, 20 to 30 years where they made glass with magnesium in it, and it turned purple in the uh, sunlight with the ultraviolet light. And uh, most of the glass was made with that during that time period. So all this glass that was just discarded and thrown out in the desert, a lot of it has turned purple and so while my husband's looking for gold, I'm picking up glass and um, didn't know what to do with it and decided to make uh, sun catchers out of it. And um, I wanted them, them not just to be bits of glass shining in the sun, but I wanted them to reflect the era as well as the area where they were found. So I would pick up old old, old, old nails that looked like they were handmade and um, old rusty sardine tins and scraps of metal and pieces of wire. And um, I, that's that's what my sun catches are made out of. They're all incorporated with the things that I found in the desert as well as the glass. And along with the purple glass, there's also old green glass from bottles and blue glass from canning jars and and other things that were also discarded in the desert. But 90, I would say probably 99% of what is in the sun catcher is from the desert. It's not things that I've added myself. Well, that does sound 
Like it is a lot of fun to go out and, and do that, though. <laughs> yeah, and, it makes uh, my trips with my husband more enjoyable. Something you can both do together. Right. Okay, I think this is a great time to take a quick commercial break, and then when we come back, we'll talk about the two art pieces you had entered into the April Art Competition. I want to let our listeners know that you can view and purchase Kay Inkelhart's artwork by going to ContemporaryArtGalleryOnline.com, click on the Search Gallery tab, and then on the Artist tab. Contemporary Art Gallery Online is the number one source for showcasing tomorrow's art giants. So if you're an artist seeking gallery representation, click on the Artist Member Corner and follow the prompts under the Membership Application Process tab. And if you're a designer, architect, a connoisseur, or just a lover of great art who believes art can turn a house into a home, then come visit us and review some of the wonderful art created by some of the finest artists in North America. You can search by style, medium, color, size, or by the individual artist. And again, to view Kay's beautiful art, just click on the search gallery and then follow the prompts to Kay's name. Well, Kay, you spoke briefly, but let's talk a little bit more, if we could, about uh, the winning piece, Daddy's jacket. Tell the audience about that piece. I had a, an assignment um, for a poster that uh, for the um, Temecula uh, Visual Arts show um, that involved children, and I went to a friend who took photographs, and we were at her house, and we took the photographs of the three children together for the um, the piece that I was doing for the show, but she had things all over her house that were just perfect for taking photographs of children, so we took my daughter, Emily, and just posed her in different places around the house, and when I go through my photographs, I, I always stop at this, at the one that I used for this picture. I, there was something about it that just moved me, and I knew that if it moved me, and I'm just her mom, you know, that it would move other people too. Um, so that's why I chose that photograph for this um, picture. Um, she was probably four or five years old, and. Um, her hair is naturally blonde, naturally curly. Her eyes are big and blue, and she just made a good model for me. So um, that when I started the picture, it was actually pretty terrifying for me because it was the first pastel that I'd done in over 13 years. And so I was really afraid when I started, but I found that it was all still there. I could still do it, and it just flowed out, and I had a wonderful time doing it. Well, that's wonderful, and that's very interesting. Uh, that uh, Again, it just shows the, the depth of your talent, that uh, you could use that medium years later and, and have it all come back to you. That's just wonderful, and, and it is a beautiful picture. I know all of us here at Contemporary Art Gallery were moved by that picture. Uh, it just it speaks volumes, and I'm sure viewers can maybe have different ideas from that, but I think you're right. It does move people, regardless of, of what they may perceive or, or take from that painting. Right. 
Right. And I, I really don't want to say too much about that part of it because, like you said, each person looks at it and sees something a little bit different. And I think it's everybody's right and privilege to be able to get out of a painting what they get out of it and not necessarily the, the artist's viewpoint on it. I just knew that it seemed to move me, and I figured if it moved me, it would move other people. Well, and that's a very good point. I know in speaking with other artists, um, and, and every artist certainly has an own opinion. There's some artists that maybe their, their feelings are hurt if they, if the viewer doesn't see what they see. And then a lot of artists, though, and I've gone to art shows and, and exhibitions, and uh, people will ask the artist about something, and, and the line that a lot of, I've heard a lot of artists use is, well, what do you see in that? <laughs> they just ask their question with another question, because they were very interested you know, in seeing what their viewers think. You know, I was at an art show, uh, an exhibition one time, and had um, several pieces that I was showing, and I had one of a, a longhorn steer that had its head turned around and it was licking its back. And I had changed the name on that piece several times and didn't know what to call it. It was a little bit humorous. And and somebody came by and looked at it and instantly said, Cowlick. And that became the name. Then I changed the name again. That became the name of the piece. So I like seeing my artwork through other people's eyes because a lot of times they can see in it something that I don't even see. Right. That is so true. Well, and the other piece that you entered in the competition that was very good also was Peaceful, Easy Feeling. I'll tell the audience about that art piece. Now, that piece is actually huge. It's um, a three-foot piece. I mean, it was huge for me. It's been so long since I painted. And I and I and it was only my third acrylic that I'd ever done, and uh, which made it a little difficult for me because I was used to oils and acrylics dry so much faster. Um, but I... Um, was just starting my artwork. I hardly had any supplies at all and um, crossed the canvas and was able to purchase it very inexpensively, unbelievably, $2 is a matter of And those are very, very, very expensive canvases. And, um, and the shape of the picture of the canvas inspired the picture. I um, looked at a lot of octagonal windows uh, because I knew right away I wanted to do a picture of um, a scene outside a window. And um, and so the, the frame was painted. You know, I drew the frame in and then painted that in. I have to tell you, the picture just flowed. It was so easy to paint that picture. And it was so hard for me to paint that frame. I, I don't do well at straight lines. <laughs> I do better with, with hair and, and, and fabric and trees and flowers and things like that. The, the frame was very difficult, especially getting the shading correct. That was very, very hard. Well, it certainly is a beautiful work of art, and, and it has a 3D effect, which is just amazing when you're looking at, you know, a two-dimensional view of it. 
Right. I learned about that um, in a book, and I my pronunciation is absolutely terrible. It's a French term for the 3D um, effect, and it's trompe-l'oeil. I think that's how you say it, but it it that's what it means. It means it making it look three-dimensional, and they used to use it in churches where they couldn't afford to make um, alcoves and put statues in them. They would have somebody paint um, a piece on the wall that looked like there was an alcove with a, a statue in it. And um, the man who wrote the book said the favorite piece that he ever did was of a silver dollar that he painted on his windowsill because so many people tried to pick it up. And and um, that's when I first saw that canvas, I knew exactly what I wanted to do with it. I wanted to make it three-dimensional and actually make it look like the child was looking out the window. I wasn't sure what the scene would be, but I, I had the basic idea of what I wanted to convey. Well, it's a beautiful and amazing piece. Uh, you did an awesome job with that piece, Kay. Thank you. Well, Kay, we talked a lot about your art. Is there an artist that you believe has influenced you or that you modeled your art after? Actually, I when, back in the uh, 70s and 80s, I just bought a watercolor. And the reason that I did is because I became friends with a Western artist named Susie Mather. Um, she is in Oregon now in the Klamath Falls area. She taught me a technique of painting in watercolor where the entire painting is painted in Prussian blue first, putting in all the color values and all the shadows and the shading and everything. Then the entire painting is painted again with uh, burnt sienna, which grays down the blue. And the only place where you don't put the sienna is where you want the painting to be blue. Then you put in all the primary and secondary colors, again, mapping all the color values. And then the top coat on the painting is done in burnt. No, what it is about the burnt umber, but for some reason, when you start matching those color values, it just goes a wango, and it makes it three-dimensional. It, it just it makes it look like you can reach out and touch the the person or the thing, the object in the in the painting. And that, that's the that's the, the technique that I've used ever since. And Susie really taught me well. And and it's a technique that can be learned by a beginner because. Um, she and I both have taught people how to paint using that technique where you line the paintings up at the end of the class and you can't tell the professional artist from the person who just painted for the first time that the paintings all come out so well. Have there been any individuals other than her or uh, teachers uh, that have influenced your art? I had a, a teacher in... Um, in uh, elementary school, actually it was an eighth grade teacher um, who encouraged me. She was not an artist herself, but she encouraged me. She allowed me to spend a lot of time. And she's the one that, that influenced me to, to go into the accelerated classes in high school. And then in high school, I had um, a teacher, Mrs. Moore, and um, 
she was so gentle and so kind, and she was one of those teachers who would never touch your painting with her paintbrush. I think that was one of the things that offended me the most, was when another, when the teacher would go at my painting with their um, paintbrush, because then it wasn't my painting anymore, it was there. And and uh, she never did that, and I appreciated that with her, and she encouraged me to continue in my artwork. Most of my, most of my art teachers, actually the vast majority of them, um, never really told me too much about how to do the painting other than actually the, the how to use the medium itself. Uh, most of them just told me, you know, don't let anybody tell you how to do this. Just just paint. Just keep doing what you're doing. And so that's what I did. I don't have a lot of formal training. Well, and Kay, do you have a philosophy about art? Yes, I do. That a lot of I teach a lot of uh, children in our congregation and friends and relatives and and young people and I teach adults too and a lot of times they need something to look at so we'll work from a photograph and I tell them it's really important to remember that this is your painting this is your painting and the way it comes out is going to be because it's your painting. And you're the only person that's going to know what this photograph looks like. The painting that it ends up being would just be a painting. It's not you're not copying the photograph you're painting. You're putting in your expression and your feelings on that canvas. So just put down what you want and don't worry that it doesn't look like what you're looking at because nobody does. Nobody gets it exactly the same. Everybody adds something to their painting. And that's, to me, that's the most important thing. Painting is good for the soul. It's a right-brained work. It takes you away from the cares of the day. It takes you away from the business of life. And it just fills you up. So in order for that to happen, you have to just let go and paint and enjoy the whole process. Well, that certainly is wonderful advice. Um, just let it go and just go. That's great. Okay, we're getting near the end of the show, and one of the questions I always like to ask uh, artists is, what advice would you have for someone that's new to the art world? Go to Kago. <laughs> the Contemporary Artist Gallery Online uh, is it's a wonderful place. I've seen other people's artwork and photography that I very much admire. I, this is a great group. Um, explore uh, your area. Find shows to enter. Um, one word of caution, something that I learned, I've been told in the past, but just learned recently from firsthand experience, is if you enter a show, that's juried and the and the judge or judges are local, do not enter. Don't enter. It's just too difficult for them not to be um prejudiced in their in their jurying. It it it's I mean, it's just human nature. You you admire your friends, you want them to do well and you want to reward them for doing well. Um I saw some 
excellent, excellent artwork overlooked because of a bit of favoritism in the show recently. And uh, that was the general consensus of the outcome of this show. So uh, I just would, uh, that's my advice for new artists. In the shows where the, the judge is not a local artist and uh, paint to beat the band, you need a lot of volume and you need a lot of artwork. Um, and uh, look at other art, go to galleries, go online, look at other people's work, uh, take your camera with you everywhere. Take photographs of everything and everyone. You never know out of a photograph that looks like an absolute disaster, one little corner of it might just be a miracle. So just and enjoy yourself. Enjoy your art. Don't make it just a business. Just enjoy it. Well, that, too, is wonderful advice. And I had not thought of that, but that's, uh, that is a very good thing. Um, you're right that there are your shows, and I've seen them as well, where the local people, as much as they probably try not to be prejudiced or, or, or partial, they are. It's just human nature. That's very good advice. Right. Right. And, and they, they especially on their part, they think they're doing a loving thing by rewarding their friends, but they don't understand that when the public comes in, and the reason that I know that it wasn't just me is because I sat this show for four hours one day, um, each of the artists was required to, um, and um, every single person who walked the show said that there, it, it seems as though there was something wrong with the judging, that 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 it, it just it, it just didn't seem right. Something seemed out of whack. So, and you hear a little bit of that at shows. You hear people saying, "Oh, I don't know why that that piece won. You know, I could do better than that." Um, we we call them IPTs. I paint two. I paint two. I could do better than that. But but this was consistent through the whole show. Where there where it, there were good pieces that were overlooked and pieces that were a little bit iffy that were rewarded. So uh, the area where the where the artists live is always a good idea. Well, yes, it is. Yes, it is. Okay, thank you so much for joining us today on An Artist Speaks. Thank you. I appreciate you taking the time to have me on the show. Well, I certainly enjoyed our chat today, and, and I know I look forward to seeing more of your art. Thank you. I want to let all the artists listening in today, the Contemporary Art Gallery Online hosts a monthly art competition and exhibition. And to enter your art, just click on the Art Competition tab and follow the prompts. And you can also check out all of our upcoming competitions and exhibitions. If you're an architect, interior designer, a connoisseur, or just a lover of art who likes to have interesting and beautiful art adorning your walls, then visit us at ContemporaryArtGalleryOnline.com and view some of the most exciting original art that you just can't find anywhere else. And while visiting our gallery, we would love for you to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and our blog, so please sign up so you can keep up with all that's going on at the gallery. An Artist Speaks airs every other Saturday morning, so we'll meet again in two weeks. The next Saturday at this time, be sure to listen to our show, The Business of Art, hosted by artist and published author Sharon Hofshaw. She shares tips and ideas on how artists can grow their business. Again, thank you for listening to us today, and have a great rest of your weekend.